The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. And welcome back to another episode of Brutal Nation. The podcast series is dedicated to lesser-known serial killers and acts of true crime. I'm your illustrious host, King Scotty Alexander, the wearer of the ducky onesie. Again, it is 3 p.m. on a Sunday, and he's still in I ain't changing. pajamas. I'm not changing until I go to take a shower before I go to bed. Oh, you're not going to wear them to bed? No, it gets too hot. Good Way thing. too hot. And I have to sleep when it's like almost like a refrigerator. You you do. I mean, your room is always, whenever I go take a nap in there, cold. it is like. Except for the other day. It was kind of warm in there when I took a nap. Oh, then I turned the AC on. That's why I have a remote control for it, so I don't even have to go to the other side of the bed. Yeah. Lazy fucker. Goddamn right. Since that one fell out of your window, you're like, I'm going to be lazy now. Yeah. You notice that there's a bracing on that motherfucker now? Jake cooked that up for yeah, me. Yeah, I, going nowhere. I saw that. All right, boys and girls. Today we're going to be doing Joseph Edward Duncan the Third Prologue. I like putting it that way because it happens in a lot of my books where it'll give the name of the book, like, you know, like uh, the adventures of whatever. The prologue. You're weird. You don't have his nickname in there. I don't? No. Jazzy Jet. Okay, I'll take it then. <laughs> if you've never been to Coeur d'Alene, uh, Idaho, well, oh. you are missing a lot. Dude, that's the KKK capital of the world. Uh, actually, they act, Don't they have a compound there? No, it's up a little further north in one of my favorite places to go. And I can't remember the... God, my brain just it's went... It's not Sand there. whatever? Sandpoint. Yeah. Yep. I love Sandpoint. And not just because of any other reason, but I like Sandpoint. There's yeah. lush forests, lakes, great fishing and hunting as well. I've been there several times in the past, and I can say that I absolutely love it. The people in the cities in that city is, have always been nice. Coeur d'Alene, Idaho is located just a few miles east of Spokane, Washington on I-90. In this small city, no one would ever have guessed that a monster would come into their midst and unleash one of the most horrific killings that anyone in the city has ever seen. Wow. On May 16, 2005, the bodies of Mark McKenzie, his girlfriend Brenda Grone, and her son Slade Grone were found murdered in their home in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So a neighbor had stopped by their house to kind of say, hey, what's up? And he saw that there was blood streaked across the front door. He knocked to see if everything was okay and no one answered. Fearing the worst, he called the cops. Brenda lived with Mark McKenzie with her three children, Slade, Shasta, and Dylan. From the statements that were given by the folks that lived in the neighborhood, uh, they were well-liked. Everybody liked them. The kids were also known by the local cops, but in a good way. Oftentimes, a few officers would stop by their home to show the kids the inside of the squad car, the lights, the siren. Basic, basically, everyone really liked this family. Okay. Mark commuted to Spokane for his job, and Brenda was a stay-at-home mom. Dylan 
was the middle child at nine years old, and Shasta was the youngest at eight. That's important. That's why I'm pointing them out. The police dispatched Deputy Moyer to the home. As, Defin, as Deputy Moyer rounded the back of the house, he noticed that there was blood smeared on the this back door. This is the door. grown family, right? Yeah. Okay. The Groans and, and Mackenzie. Okay. Mark Mackenzie was her boyfriend. They weren't okay. married. I just wanted to make sure I was on the right page. You're on the right page. So anyway, Moyer shows up. He goes to the back of the house. He see that, sees that there's blood smeared on the back door as well. Right. And that the door was ajar. It's like kind of open a little bit. Right. He said that there was definitely this, a smell that you get used to that you know as a cop, and that's the smell of death. Dude, if you've ever been around anybody who's... Oh, yeah. Are you making teriyaki chicken? I am. Beef, actually. Teriyaki. That's what I meant. So, anywho, being cautious, he called for backup. When the backup unit arrived, they slowly made their way inside of the house. That's where they saw the trail of blood. In the, in the living room, officers found the bodies of Brenda, Mark, and Slade. They'd been, they'd been killed, and their bodies were lined up head to toe in kind of a U-shape. They'd been bludgeoned to death. Their heads had been just smashed in. They also had been tied up with their hands behind their backs. The officers saw that there was uh, another trail of blood leading to the bedrooms at the back of the house. Wow. Every room had blood in it. The bedrooms of both Shasta and Dylan both had blood on the beds. The blood on the beds, the police now find, uh, found out, the blood on the beds, uh, the beds had belonged to, uh, I'm fucking this up, the blood on the with the blood on the beds, the police now had to find the bodies of Shasta and Dylan because they weren't in their rooms. Those bodies are missing. Wow. The police searched the home as well as the yard. They turned the home upside down, but the bodies of Shasta and Dylan weren't there. The police were confused at why someone would take two young children after killing their family. Like, where, right. Where'd you go with the body? They actually went out into the woods and were looking for them at the woods that abutted their house. Um, and they're searching for them for days. Right. You know, either they're going to find them alive or find them dead. Because one of the assumptions was is that the, the two young kids saw this happening. And they were like, I'm out. I got to go hide. So they might have been hiding out of fear. Right. That type of thing, right? The forensics team took samples of the blood. They also found a fingerprint on the back door. When the forensics report <coughs> was completed, they found out that none of the blood in the house belonged to Shasta or Dylan. Wow. There was a renewed hope that the young kids were still alive. The police called in uh, the local branch of the FBI to help in this case. Because now, you know, now they had a kidnapping oh, yeah. and a murder to solve. Exactly. So when there's kids involved, and that's the, honestly. It's always, they automatically call in the FBI. Yeah, because you got kids, man, and it's right. it's not about a jurisdiction thing. It's about find these children exactly because they could be alive. Well, and a lot of kidnappings, unfortunately, are federal crimes. Right. So yeah, especially if they cross state lines. Oh, most definitely. Then the FBI contacted the kid's father, Steve Groan, and they say Groney. Actually, I think is their yeah. I think last it's name Groney. is Groney. 
uh, to see if the two youngest kids had been staying with him. But Steve is just as befuddled as the FBI to the location of the kids. Right. Like he gets a high I saw a documentary on this, though. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> In an interview, Steve said that when the FBI got a hold of him, he went from grieving mode to panic mode, oh, wondering yeah. where his kids were. Yeah. The FBI checked with friends and relatives anywhere that the kids could have been after not finding them, and they knew that they had been abducted for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because him and his ex-wife were still on, you know, amicable terms from my understanding. No, you would be wrong. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. My bad. So, as I said, the police kept searching the the woods uh, in case the two kids had fled to safety of the forest um, or the killer had put their bodies out there. Even with the FBI helping in this case, they were short on any leads to help them find the killer or where Shasta and Dylan were. At this, at this point, all, uh, all that law enforcement could do is to find out as much as they could about their victims. Mark and Brenda had been dating for about seven years. Everyone said that Mark loved the kids as, almost like they were his own. Right. They seemed to be a perfect couple, but there was a wild side to them as well. They were known to be partiers. They still, uh, still they were living you know, the happy, good life. Okay. As the investigation goes on, law enforcement begins to put together a profile of the killer. All three victims had been struck in the head several times with a hammer. It was consistent with, it was consistent with a crime that's very personal. Um, as in uh, committed by somebody that's known to the victims. Okay. Normally when there's so much violence and damage, uh, it is, it's a crime of passion, so to speak. Oh, exactly. Someone, to, someone who's filled with a lot of anger towards the victims. With that said, there, were, there was a lot of confusion at why the kids were taken. If it's someone who knows the family, then why would you just take the kids somewhere else if you, if you took them at all? Right. The first suspect that was questioned uh, was the kid's father, Steve. Of course. Um, it was known that Steve and Brenda did not get along, and they oh. often argued over the kids. After they questioned Steve, he was ruled out as a suspect. Um, then Steve went on TV to make a public plea for the safe return of his children. Right. He kind of raised more suspicion, though, when he said the phrase, please bring my kids home safely. They had nothing to do with this. Right, because he used the past tense. Right. And However. Kind of pointed the finger at him, so to speak. Right, but I understand him saying they had nothing to do with this because the crime, the murder had already happened. So right. they had nothing to do with the murder. But when you say that, everybody, right. everyone wondered, what does he mean by nothing to do with this? What is, uh, what was he hiding? Mm-hmm. The police gave Steve a polygraph test and they recorded a strange fluctuation when he was asked if he knew where his kids are. Because of that, the police had to keep digging deeper into Steve's life. Eventually, he was ruled out totally as a suspect. Steve said that he was home alone when the murders happened. At first, the cops thought that he was lying. Because everybody says that. Well, where were you? I was home all by myself. Yeah, I was home. Were you with anybody? No. No, with no credible witnesses anywhere around me. 
I was going to say, and, and with the past tense, you know, usage of words, that's what got Susan Smith busted. Remember? Because oh. she used the past tense when she referred to her children. Vaguely. Oh. That was until they actually confirmed the location of his phone as well as his computer usage on the day of which uh, confirmed that he was actually telling the truth. Right, because that was back in 2005. So Right, so they showed that he was actually online at home. Yeah. And he had made some calls and he got some calls and he's sitting there at his home. Right. It pinged at his house. Then the suspicion fell on two other family members. Steve and Brenda had two adult sons. Jesse and Vance. Right, I remember that too. So both of them had a ton of trouble with the law. Right. Jesse had a great alibi, though. He was actually in jail at the time of the murders. Wow. He was incarcerated, so there's no way he's going to do it, right? Right. Well, then they go and they question Vance, and they were convinced that he had nothing to do with this case either. Yeah. So far, things are going shitty. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they just they want to find Dylan and Shasta. Right. The police started getting tips about a barbecue that happened at the house the day before the murders. Now the police were looking at everyone that was at the barbecue. Did someone get into a fight? Did someone have an argument? Is there bad blood? What's going on? The fingerprint that they had found on the door belonged to a person who attended the barbecue the previous day. And that person's name was Gary Youngwood. Okay. They checked him out to find out that he actually did have a criminal record. To top it off, according to Jesse, Gary owed Mark and Brenda about two grand for a loan. Wow. Yeah. Good suspect right there. They had high hopes that Gary would lead them uh, to the conclusion of the case. Right. When the police tried to contact Gary, he was he was pretty hard to find. Right. He had informed his probation officer that he'd be taking a trip to Boise, Idaho. When Gary was contacted by his probation officer, he did. He came back immediately. Oh, I bet. And he spoke to the police. Right. If you're if you're innocent, you would do that. Right. And that that's what he proved. He said he was. He, they proved that he was in Boise at the time of the killings. Um. And and of course they went shit. And I'm pretty sure they went like that. I'm pretty sure they were pretty happy until he could prove that they went. They went. Hold on. We have to step out into the hallway. What do you think? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Why would he fucking show up? <laughs> Now we don't have a fucking suspect. Dude, your dog's a spaz. Yeah, she is. She's not just half retarded. Well, it's... she barked for a second, ran that way, and now she's like spazzing out there. <laughs> I don't know about her. She's much like fucking my kid. <laughs> Both spazzes. One tip that came in was it was a biker gang hit. Brenda, Brenda was into motorcycles, and given that the weapon was a hammer... It gives credibility to the biker gang theory. So the FBI started looking at local bikers to see if there was any bad blood or if there was money owed or anything like that. Anything. Right. The search turned up nothing. Absolutely nothing. Now we're several days into the investigation. And as time goes on, the chances of the kids being alive, not so good. Right. The theories were widespread, from biker gangs to those looking for drugs. Right, because they say you have, what, 48 hours to find a child before... That's why they have the thing, the first 48. Yeah. What no one could explain was why the kids were taken away from the house after the murders. Several weeks had gone by, no clues. We're getting them in, there's nothing. 
getting them any closer to solving this crime. The FBI brought in profilers to help out. So one set of profilers dealt with serial killers and the other with child abduction. Of course. Get two specialty groups, right? yeah, exactly. They were even confused because it, it didn't make any sense. In serial killer cases, you don't see child abductions. And in child abductions, you don't see a family being murdered. Right. The only time you see child abductions in a serial killer case is if they're child killers, if they kill children. Right. And you're going to find yeah. something. like, they, And they're not going to kill them at a different location. They're going to do them there during the killing. Yeah, right because there. Because that's... Yeah. that's no, anyway, I wrote, I agree with this finding. In the cases that Tammy and I have read about, I've never seen anyone who has killed a family to abduct their kids. Right. To the flip side of it, I've not seen any serial killers who have killed a family to abduct their kids. You just said that. I just did, and I don't know why the fuck I put that in there twice. Because anyway, I probably am. Anyway, I haven't seen any child abductors who... You know, are killing whole families just to abduct kids. Right. You know, it makes no sense. Right. Exactly. Two very, very different crimes. Yeah, because if he's, they're going to kill a family, they're a family annihilator and they kill the entire family. Right. And that would make sense. Yeah. (coughs) Totally. (coughs) Even if they are sex offenders killing the family or child molesters that are killing the family, they're going to do the molestation right there because now it's all enclosed. Why take, why take that out? Right. Doors because that that increases your chances of getting caught. Right. The only time you see a child abduction with a serial killer case is if they pick the child up on the streets or something. You know, like like we saw with Coral and Brooks and Henley, is they were abducted out in public and then taken back to a house to be you know abused and killed. Right. Whereas if they're going to steal, go into a child's home. Except for the case, look at Elizabeth Smart and uh, J.C. Duggard. Okay. You know, they were abducted from their home. Well, actually, J.C. Duggard was abducted outside her home, but they never killed those girls. They just Correct. kept them as sex slaves. Right, And but that makes sense. Yeah. That part of it makes but sense. But their families weren't killed in the process either. Right, because they're not murderers. They're... Yeah, they're, chi- sex, they're, yeah, they're sex deviants. The, yeah, they're sex deviants. Right. So, yeah, there's just different... You're right. There, We don't come across that at all. And that's why the profilers, the FBI, the local cops, um, the local sheriff's department that was working the case. Didn't know what the fuck to do. Everybody, everybody's looking going, what the fuck is going on with this? Right. This makes no sense. Right. It makes precisely zero sense. Exactly. By the end of May, there was more than 150 investigators working around the clock trying to find these two missing kids. Two more weeks pass, and there are still no leads. And it seemed like they were just at a dead end. That was until a local woman came forward with a little bit of information. Okay. On the night of the murders, she was traveling to Spokane sometime after about 2 o'clock in the morning. Okay. She said that she saw a dark-colored Lincoln pulled off to the side of the road. She called it in saying that there were three adult males in the car and she thought that there may that maybe they were involved in the murders. Okay. It was just, you know, kind of shady, same time, pretty close to where the house is. Right. Type thing, right? So at first, the lead doesn't seem too promising. Yeah. That was until they 
they uh, found out that the location of where she saw the car was only a mile from where the murders happened. Oh, wow. So a short time later, they had another person called in, call in. He called in anonymously and said that he heard them saying that they, that they might, that he, he, he's traveling with his friends and that they might need a, a place to, to place some bodies, to dump some bodies. Somewhere like an abandoned mine shaft. He didn't want to get caught. That was his whole thing. He said, hey, man, I think that they were up to something shady. And uh, this is what I heard. Holy fuck. So they check it out and find out that his associates that he was talking about did, in fact, have a criminal past. After almost two months of searching, it seemed that the police had a viable lead to solve the case and maybe find the kids. So as the police are getting ready to set up for surveillance on the guys, another tip comes in. Wow. And it changes the case again. Wow. But this call would shock and amaze law enforcement. Okay. A local waitress by the name of Amber Dean, Dina, Dina, yeah, Dina, Dina, D-E-A-H-N, anyway, said that she had just come back from her break and noticed a man and a young girl that had sat down in her section. As she looked at the girl, she said to herself, and this was actually her words, that's Shasta. She immediately, so she goes over, she takes their, their order. Right, because she saw the girl being very demure and, right, yeah, like, like looking, down. looking down and not looking up. and Right. Yeah. So she did the right thing. She goes over, she takes their, oh, yeah. their order, and then goes back and talks to her boss and calls the cops. Right, and then continues to serve them and everything like everything's normal. Right. Now, y'all are going to think this is a short episode, but it isn't. Hold your fucking horses, okay? I'm holding. Shortly after that, the police arrived. The man with Shasta was Joseph Edward Duncan III. And he went with the police without resisting. And uh, I remember uh, Amber saying that one of the officers grabbed her arm and said, just sit with her. Okay. And she did. She sat with her and comforted her and, right. and everything like that. The story that Shasta would tell would shake everyone to the core once again. The day that Shasta and Dylan were abducted and Brenda, Mark, and Slade were killed by a man by the name of Joseph Edward Duncan III when, when he broke into their home. According to Duncan, he selected Shasta and Dylan at random after driving into town. He had seen them playing in the front yard and knew that he was going to abduct them. Wow. He broke into the house uh, and he was armed with a shotgun. He found Brenda sleeping on the couch and put the shotgun to her head and asked, where's the man? He made Brenda tie Mark up and her son as well. Okay. He then... Oh, that makes no fucking sense. Anyway. There's a, uh, he made it seem like uh, it, this was just a robbery and no one's going to get hurt. He then took... Shasta and Dylan outside and told them to lay face down on the grass, and if they moved, he'd kill them. According to Duncan, he didn't want, he didn't want the young kids to see what was going to happen and what he was going to do to his, their family members. He then smashed the back of Brenda, Mark, and Slade's skull in with a framing hammer. 
After he was done doing that, he took Shasta and Dylan and drove away. He then drove to a campsite in Montana a few hundred miles away. Now, it's, it's going to get confusing because, remember, they just found him back in Coeur d'Alene. Oh, yeah. When I said local waitress, I mean, this is in Coeur d'Alene right, where he abducted exactly. the kids. <coughs> there was no one there and no other campers. And wow. over the next few weeks, he molested both of the kids. According to Shasta, Duncan killed her brother by shooting him in the head after molesting him for a couple of weeks. Right. Dylan's remains were found at the campsite. Site. His little body had been burned and the bone fragments had been scattered by the animals. Duncan has a long history of violent sexual as a as a violent sexual predator. Right. His first recorded sex crime was back in 78 in his hometown of Tacoma, Washington. Okay. He was 15 years old when he raped a 9-year-old boy at gunpoint. Wow. The next year, he was arrested uh, driving a stolen car. Right. He was sentenced uh, as a juvenile and sent to Dylan's, uh, Dilson's Boys Ranch in Tacoma, where he told a therapist uh, who was assigned to his case that he, had, that he had bound and sexually assaulted six boys. Wow. According to the, uh, a report by the Associated Press, by the way, is what wow. the AP had reported. Right. He also told the therapist that he estimated that uh, he raped 13 young boys by the, by the time he was 16 years old. Holy fuck. In 1980, also in Tacoma, Duncan stole several guns from a neighbor, abducted a 14-year-old boy, and sodomized him, once again, at gunpoint. Duncan was sentenced to 20 years in prison, but was released on parole in 1994 after serving 14 years. While out on parole, Duncan is known to have lived in several places around the Seattle area. Right. He was arrested in 96 for pot charges for using pot, and he was released on parole several weeks later with with, uh, some new restrictions that were placed on him. And I'm sure that new restriction is, dude, don't smoke weed, because right now it's illegal as fuck. (laughs) No weed smoking for you, Mr. No alcohol, because, you know, that'll impair you and all that shit. I should ask you what those restrictions are, because actually you would know it's not even me poking fun. Fuck off. No, it's true. Authority believe that during his parole, Duncan murdered Samio White and Carmen Cubis in Seattle in 96 and Anthony Martinez in Riverside County, California it's not in 96. Sammy Joe. Could be Sammy Joe. Okay. Okay, no, I think you're right. Sammy Joe White. It's just all one fucking word. Yeah. All right. Anywho's. Then he uh they 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 suspect that he uh raped and killed Anthony Martinez in Riverside County, California in 97. Both of those cases went cold uh, and were not tied to Duncan until after his arrest in the Groney case. In 97, after violating his parole, Duncan was released from prison uh, on July 14th of 2000 with time off for good behavior 
and he moved to Fargo, North Dakota. If you've never been to North Dakota, you're not missing anything. And this is, if I had a dick, <laughs> I'd tell you to suck it. Is it that in Fargo? No, that was no. in... Um, That's in uh, Lake Placid. Yeah, Lake Placid. My bad. Good old Betty White, man. Yeah. In March of 2005, Duncan was charged with the July 3rd, 2004 molestation of two boys at a playground uh, right around Detroit Lakes, Minnesota. On April 5th of 2005, he appeared in front of Becker County Judge, a Becker County Judge, who set the bail at $15,000. A Fargo businessman that uh, Duncan knew, had, that he'd become acquainted with, helped him post bail, but Duncan skipped bail and disappeared. Okay. Got ghost, right? He's like, fuck you, I'm out of yeah. here. On June 1st of 2005, a warrant by the feds was issued for Duncan's arrest uh, on a charge of unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. Wow. Duncan's arrest led the FBI to launch a nationwide review of unsolved missing child cases. He was implicated in as, po- as a possible suspect in several of them <clears throat> that happened between 94 and 97 when he was on parole, by the way. And between right. 2000 and 2005 when he was free from prison. Right. Although he was cleared as a suspect in some cases, uh, the authorities in California wa- and Washington had enough evidence to believe that Duncan had committed un- unsolved murders in their states as well. Wow. So let's talk about Anthony Martinez. Yes, let's do Okay. On April 4th of 97, 10-year-old Anthony Michael Martinez was playing with a friend in in his front yard at his home in in Beaumont, Riverside County, California. When an unknown man approached the group and asked for help finding his missing cat, because everybody's got some missing pussies somewhere. When the boys refused, the man grabbed Martinez. I don't even know what to say to you when you say shit like that. Well, they refused, and he grabbed Martinez at knife point and threw him in the car. Okay. After a two-week search on April 19th, his body, Martinez's body, was found nude and partially decomposing way over in Indio, California. Wow. Indio's a little closer to Palm Springs. Okay. Um, kind of, it's east of Palm Springs. Gotcha. In the desert. In the desert. Uh Uh-huh. Investigators said that he had been sexually assaulted and bound with duct tape. Because duct tape, why not? It's strong. It's good stuff. (laughs) Although the composite sketch of the suspect was made available and a partial fingerprint was taken from the duct tape uh, that was found on Martinez's body, the case went cold. Okay. Which makes no sense to me. You would think they can match up that partial because he's been in prison. Right. With... Other offenders when it goes into CODIS. Right. You would say, hey, it's pretty close to this motherfucker right here. Right. In July of 2005, bloggers noticed similarities between Duncan and the composite sketch in the Martinez case, as well as between Duncan's vehicle and the one Martinez's abductor said that he was driving. Or, sorry, that, that, that they had said that Martinez's abductor was driving. Okay. The FBI and National Center for Missing and Exploited Kids, children, became involved and they contacted Riverside County authorities. Riverside authorities were able to match the fingerprint taken from Martinez's body to Duncan. And on August 3rd, 
the Riverside County Sheriff's officially announced Duncan's connection to Mar- the Martinez case. Okay. All right. So then we have Sammy Joe White and Carmen Cubis. Cubias? Let's go with Cubias. That sounds cooler. Additionally, federal prosecutors have revealed that Duncan confessed to the murders of Sammy Joe White, who was only 11 years old, and her sister, Carmen Cubias, who was only nine. They vanished on July 6th of 96 after leaving the Crest Hotel in Seattle, Washington to go out and panhandle. Okay. Their remains were found on February 10th of 98 over in Bothell, which is that's north of Seattle. Okay. Joseph Duncan III has been convicted by three separate courts, first by the state of Idaho for kidnapping and the murders of Brenda Slade uh, and Slade uh, Groney and Mark McKenzie, and second by the U.S. Federal Court for kidnapping, kidnapping of Shasta and Dylan Groney. Right. The murder of Dylan Groney and various other crimes, and a third by the state of California for kidnapping and murder of Anthony Martinez. Okay. In Idaho, Duncan first appeared at the Kootenanny. K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. Kootenanny? Does that have anything to do with the Hootenanny? That's what I was thinking. Anyway, he's in county court on July 13th of 2005, where he was charged with three counts of first-degree murder and three counts of first-degree kidnapping. All in... uh, All in conjunction with the deaths of Brenda Slade, Groney, and, of course, Mark McKenzie. Okay. The county prosecutors had initially planned to charge Duncan with the kidnapping of Shannon, uh, Shasta and Dylan Groney. However, they, def- they, uh, they held off on those charges uh, to the federal court system. So they gave it over to the feds. Right, they so turned they, it over to the motherfuckers feds. Motherfuckers take this shit. Got it. As transporting, as we said, you know, kids across state line right. is a federal offense. Yeah. The trial was set to begin on uh, January 17th of 2006. Um, but it was delayed until April 4th after the district judge granted a request to the defense for more time to prepare for the trial. Okay. And then again to October 26th after the after the judge in the case stated, no one wants to try this case twice, including right. me. <laughs> Junkin, Junkin, Duncan's defense attorney blamed the multiple postponements on the prosecutor's insistence on pursuing the death penalty, which is understandable. He's trying to get his client off of death row. Oh, of course. I mean, that's what he's supposed to do, right? I say shoot him right there in the courtroom. That's me. I'll provide the bullets and the gun. On October 16th of 2006, shortly after the jury selection uh, process began, Kootenai County prosecutor and Duncan's attorney reached a plea bargain in which Duncan pled guilty to all state charges against him. He was immediately sentenced to three consecutive life sentences without the possibility uh, for parole in the three kidnapping charges. And sentencing on the three murder charges was continued continued pending the outcome of the federal trial on the kidnapping and murder charges. Okay. We've got a couple things going on, right? Right. The judge said at the time that 
if he did not receive the death penalty on the federal charges, he would return uh, to that county for death penalty phase of the murder charges. Okay. So either way, he's getting the death penalty. Of course, they're gonna. Which is understandable. Pursue it. Yeah. You know, the, this dude's crimes and the, the long history. Right. This guy's this guy's a fucking animal. Totally. Over two years later, after being sentenced to death on federal charges, Coot Nanny, whatever it is, County sentenced uh, Duncan to three additional life sentences. Okay. Duncan also agreed to cooperate with the county sheriff's detectives investigating this crime and provide passwords to encrypted files stored on his computer because he had his own blog, his own website. Right. That's the five nails or whatever, right? Yeah, I think I have this somewhere. That's what I thought. I was just looking through all this shit trying to fucking... Oh, I did. It's at the bottom. I was going to say, I have it here. I got it. Okay, good. We're good. I'm glad. So, over in the U.S. federal court on January 18th of 2007, Duncan was indicted by federal grand uh, jury in Coeur d'Alene on 10 counts of kidnapping, kidnapping resulting in death, aggravated sexual abuse of a minor and sexual exploitation of a minor resulting in a death as well as other crimes related to illegal firearm possession vehicle theft things like that okay he was arraigned the following day at the federal court in boise idaho where a judge ordered duncan to stand trial uh the following march okay Duncan's defense attorney immediately requested a postponement, which was granted the week the trial was originally scheduled to begin. Okay. A new trial date was set for January 22nd of 2008. Okay. So I guess we're going to take a little step back in time here. Yeah. I can't be right if it was set there. Ten charges against him. What the fuck? I got my dates wrong. Anyway. That makes no fucking sense. You never make any sense, but then whatever. Because this here says on December 3rd of 2007, Duncan pled guilty to all 10 charges against him, but it would have to be in like 2009, right? I think so. Let me look. That would make the most sense. Anyway, as a condition of the agreement, Shasta Groney would not have to testify in the penalty phase of the trial due to a gag order. Other details of the plea... What day did you say? December 3rd of 2007. Uh, when he pled guilty? Hang on. I'm looking. Idaho, December 3rd, 2007. He pled guilty to all 10 charges. Oh, okay. So I guess the 2008 was just the federal charges. All right. Well, fuck it. Um, anyway, there was a gag order, uh, and other details of the plea agreement were not released to the public. Okay. The penalty phase of Duncan's federal trial began on August 13th of 2008. On August of on August 27th of 2008, after 3 hours of deliberation, the jury recommended the death penalty, and the judge in that case sentenced uh, Duncan to 3 death sentences for kidnapping resulting in death, sexual exploitation of a child resulting in a death, and the use of a firearm in a violent crime resulting in a death. Oh, all related my. to death. Uh, this is all related, to, by the way, to the death of Dylan Groney. Okay. This is all about Dylan right now. On November 3rd of 2008, 
Duncan was sentenced to an additional three federal life sentences for the kidnapping of Shannon Shasta Groney and her sexual abu- the sexual abusing of Shasta and Dylan. Then we have California. Yeah. Because this guy went on like a total raping crime spree. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I saw even... that his crime spanned several states. Yeah. Uh, like from Minnesota when he skipped bail. Right. All the way through. According to his website. Well, I I may have put that. I was gonna say, at the bottom, didn't so. on his website he like was adamant he wasn't a pedophile, something like that. Yeah, I mean, because I saw a bunch of shit on him already. So, so on January eighteenth of two thousand seven, this is in California. The same day Duncan was indicted in federal court, Riverside County officials announced that Duncan was charged with Mar- the Martinez murder. Despite attempts by Riverside County officials to uh, extradite Duncan to California, uh, including an appeal by the governor at the time, who was Arnold Schwarzenegger, the governor, get in the chopper. In California. In Cali, 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 the state I can't pronounce. <laughs> my, my home state. <laughs> Duncan's federal trial proceeded. Um, he was eventually extradited to California on January 24th of 2009, five months after being sentenced to death by the federal court. On March 15th of 2011, Duncan pled guilty to the Martinez murder. He said, yep, I did it as part of another plea deal. Wow. Which I can't see why. Like, seriously. Well, I I see why, but, you know, why were you going for a plea bargain? You're already going to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's not going to change because of what California and the governor says. Well, because I can I can understand that because if it falls through and he's not executed by the feds or they, you know, they overturn that sentence, then if he took if he didn't take the plea bargain, he was sentenced to death in California. He'd go to that death row. Well, he's got sentenced to death in fucking Idaho, too. Oh, OK. Never mind then. So he's got a whole lot of death coming to him. Like if he gets killed. They're going to kill, bring him back and kill him again. See, I've always wondered that on the like consecutive <laughs> life sentences. How do you figure that out there? It's like, okay, you died, so you're going to bring him back to prison, and he has to do it all if over. If he gets reincarnated, he gets picked up right at the hospital. Doesn't, as a baby. Matter, doesn't matter if he's a fucking snail or not. That's huh? right. Back in the cage, Slug. motherfucker. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, where the hell was I? Okay, on March 15th, played guilty to Martini. Okay. Duncan will be sentenced... Uh, to life imprisonment without the possibility of parole or the right to appeal. That okay. was part of the plea bargain. Yeah, a lot of the plea bargains are like that. Yeah, it's like, it's done. Don't even yeah. think about appealing. You know, fuck yourself. Yeah. Although Duncan could have faced separate death sentences in, a, in addition to the ones he had already been sentenced to in federal court, the Riverside County DA, Paul Zellerbeck, uh, justified the life sentence by stating that he had consulted with the Martinez family who wanted closure in the case. Okay. <laughs> and that the federal system will kill him long before the state of California would have seriously even considered it. Which is true. The feds will kill you quicker than a fucking state. Oh, yeah. Feds, like, that's no fucking joke. Yeah. Like I mean, it, they'll kill you faster in Texas. Nobody kills faster than Texas. <laughs> please. Like, no, I've that, heard that's all. Will. That's all Yosemite, Yosemite Sam's there. They go, you're guilty. And they kill you With right the there. freaking tall, like, 10-gallon hats 10-gallon hats and shit. They come in wearing boots and spurs. They shoot you right there. Yeah, because they got the freaking Texas Rangers down there, man. They Hey, they got Walker Texas Ranger. That's right. Chuck Norris ain't no joke. That's right. We don't fuck with Chuck, man. <laughs> you're so dumb. 
after which he will be returned to death row at the United States Penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. Now we're going to talk about the Fifth Nail and Fifth Nail Revelations. That was his website, uh, his blog page, which was called The Fifth Nail. He published his ideas on the Internet. He titled it The Fifth Nail, which is also the URL for his personal website. According to lore, in addition to, to the four nails used to pierce the body of Jesus Christ at his crucifixion, there was a fifth nail that was taken away and hidden by Roma. The Romans? It says Roma. I wonder if it means like a tomato. I like Roma tomatoes. I have Romans on my information. Fine. I think you mistyped something, jackass. I might have. Fuck it. Who knows? I do have things stoned anyway. You don't even just do them half stoned. You just like, I don't know, man. So Duncan adopted uh, the name for his own website and blog. The website depicted Duncan's day-to-day life as a sex offender. The Fifth Nail advocates for sex offenders and, and contain material that call for legal, uh, legal reform to law aimed at sex offenders, calling them state-sanctioned discrimination. So, yeah, state-sanctioning saying, we're discriminating against you because you're a sex offender. I don't think that's discrimination. I think that's called good taste. I think that's just called, you know, fucking... What is it called? Uh, upright citizenship? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Hey, don't molest kids because it's bad. How offensive. Oh, my God. Yeah. You're discriminating. No, we're just saying, hey, don't fuck kids or kill them. You know, that helps. Duncan was particularly frustrated by the requirements for sex offenders to participate in a public re- registry. Of yeah. course. Because, you know. Why should you have to register when and people can watch you when you just want to go out and rape kids? Sick fuck. With yeah. the help of a ghost blogger, Duncan posted to his new blog, Fifth Nail Revelations, from prison. He wrote his blog entries by hand and mailed them to the ghost blogger, who posted them exactly as they're written. According to the media reports, law enforcement agencies have been watching the, con- the content uh, of the new blog in hopes of gathering incriminating information about Duncan's crimes, both unknown and known. That's crazy. It is. It's fucking insane. Yeah, Uh, so you're in prison and you're still sending out this information to be blogged. And you still think that you're being discriminated against because you like to rape kids. Yeah. I'm sorry. Just because you like to have sex with kids doesn't give you a right to live. Well, do you remember? Do you remember when the pedophiles were trying to petition the LGBTQ? Oh yeah, to thing? become part uh, of their um... yeah, saying, "Hey, we're marginalized too. We're just a sexual orientation." No, you're not. You're not a fucking sexual orientation. You're baby rapers. Fucking drink some bleach. Put a fucking gun in your mouth. There's a fucking huge sexual. thing, and I would like to kind of infiltrate it and do a report on it. But there's a huge thing on the dark web about... Nambla? Huh? You talking about Nambla? Yeah! The yeah, people they, they, that get together and fucking... It's a huge organization. Yeah. yeah, it's in secret. I've heard about it. I heard about it in a, in a psychology class. Yeah, that you can freaking actually like become a member of and they give you... They secretly give you uh, dates and times of meeting places where they talk about where they can get all the... 
right. child porn and shit. It's yeah. just gross. I think that the government should be cracking down on that, and these motherfuckers need to be thrown in prison. Yeah. Yeah. But I would, I, I mean, this is just my sick perverted part. I mean, not perverted part, but uh, kind of like journalistic part is I would like to infiltrate it and write a story about it. But um, then we've talked about it's trying all to- it's called national man boy love yeah something or other so you're not a dude well you could be <laughs> I have been called sir before you should go in there are you judging me <laughs> they'd be like no sir <laughs> you're a big sasquatch well no it's like this there are a lot of overweight guys who have big boobs. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you do have man boobs. I do. But my whole thing is, is you know, it's if I freaking wear a short wig or something. Well, it might work. It might. Or I could get you to do it. With, a, with, with our luck, though, fucking the feds would come in here and arrest us. And we'd be, we're just trying to write a story about this going on. Whatever. You're in Vancouver, Scott. You're going to prison. <laughs> I was going to say, we could always get you to do it. But then you would want to kind of talk to the... Law enforcement to let them know that you're... Honest to God, I don't think that I could do it. Oh, yeah, you'd probably beat somebody's ass. Because of my temperament mm-hmm. and how I feel about touching kids. Right. Maybe I, I can get my son to do it. I could probably infiltrate them for all of a half hour, maybe an hour, before I start getting that little Until tick. you hear them start talking about their yeah. proclivities. Then I think... I think that it would become from infiltration to seriously murder. Yeah. I believe that. And I'm trying to live a life of peace and harmony. Then why do you yell at me all the time? I don't yell at you. Sometimes that's the only way a Sasquatch hears. I was going to say, you've yelled at me maybe once or twice, but whatever. So what do you want to add to this fucking thing? I, um, I don't. I can't remember if you mentioned or not because we were talking about other stuff too, but about how he had told the law enforcement that he had no problem. Like he didn't fight them when they arrested him because she had taught him how to love. I was going to bring that up. God damn it. It was just on the tip of my tongue. Yeah. And that's that's why he didn't fight them because she had, you know, she taught him tenderness and shit. And that's that. That's what he actually told Shasta was. I didn't kill you because you taught me how to love. That is. Sick shit. That's fucked up. Yeah, that is just bizarre sick shit. Because how dare you tell an eight-year-old after you've molested her that she taught you how to... And then there was video surveillance at a convenience store where he was getting a soda or an icy or something and they showed her just being really, like, standing away from him and, you know... Right. Because he was trying to say that she was his daughter, but if she's your daughter, why is she being distant from you and... You know, probably got an ass whooping. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Even kids, if you got an ass whooping, if you're in the gr- if you're in the convenience store getting an icy or a soda, you're still happy as fuck. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> but you know what I mean. It's Nobody just, buys me ices. I so. love. I love me a Slurpee, and on Seven Eleven, you do. On July Eleventh, I literally go to Seven Eleven get my free Slurpee. I bet your customers like that. Fuck too. off, nice dick. <laughs> but um. Customers, fuck you, <laughs> It just dawned on me what you said. I love my little time bomb jokes. I know, because every once in a while. I just set the timer, and I sit back and wait. And yeah, because it's usually within five seconds or uh-huh. 
but no, it, I mean, so it's like there was a lot of stuff about that whole Grony case that really was so bizarre. Because when you first read about it, you think, oh, he's just a child molester and he killed, you know, he was a family annihilator. But then you like read into a story and you find out that he killed across the U.S. And Well, that and plus one thing that threw him off was that uh, during the autopsy, the postmortem, that they actually found uh, pot and methamphetamine uh, in their system. Right. So they thought it was drug related. Yeah. And Brendan and Mark. So that's why they first when they said, hey, well, we think it's a biker Quarterly. gang. <laughs> yeah, no shit, huh? When they said, hey, we think it's a biker gang. Right. It, it, it lends all that credibility to it. So then they're looking at like, okay, did they owe the biker ga- a biker gang money? Right. Was there bad blood? What's going on with this? Right. And not even remotely looking at Duncan. Yeah. Like well, he's not even on the fucking radar. Well, and it was like, was he even known in that area? No. See? No, he literally, he drove into town. Right. And he, saw he, them and Yeah, he saw Dylan them. and Shasta playing in the front yard right. and said, I'm going to abduct them today. Right. So it's just, it's insane. It is. I thought it was a very disturbing, disturbing case. And But according to Shasta's dad, in later reports, she's growing up to be a normal teenage girl. Right. And she's kind of put um, it behind her. And, right. Yeah. Which I think, well, and then wasn't he like this big burly guy? Right. Yeah. With like, didn't he have like a long beard? Kind of like you? No. Didn't no? have a long beard. Oh. Um, he did have to use a voice box towards the end. Because oh, I think he right. got that's fucking right. throat cancer or some shit. Yeah. And it's like, you know, it, it's just like. What it boils down to is he loved his children. He really did. As much as he, as much as Steve and Brenda didn't get along, they fought over the kids because he truly loved his kids. Right. And of course, Brenda loved his kids. Right. Well, loved her kids because they were hers yeah. too. But I mean, still, he's not birthing kids on his own. No. No. I, I don't. I wish a man could give birth, but no. If he could, I would sign that act today, and I would tour him like no one's business. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's like. It just, you know, it just boils down to that, the fact that, I mean, he wasn't even known in the area, so of course he wasn't a suspect, but then it just is bizarre because cases like that are usually, like you said, done by people who know the family. Right, right. It, it, you would think that it would be somebody in the community. Exactly. You know, and with the violence, the crime, that's why as, as I'm reading this, I'm, all, I'm thinking, how does... This Duncan guy fit into this family because they hadn't revealed that he was, you know, like from coming from like Minnesota, right, and shit like that. I don't know, how does he fit in? Because what the little bit they're giving me about him doesn't really fit with the kind of people that that these guys would hang out with the Grony family, yeah. Or, or and then you Mark find out it was just totally random. Yeah, that it was just literally he drove into town. He said, "Yep, that's the ones. I'm going to abduct them and I'm going to rape them." Yeah. It's it's just is really bizarre. But yeah, I remember seeing the documentary and how the dad was talking about how, you know, he was really concerned about his kids and he goes, and of course I was a suspect. I expected to be. Right, and that's just something I totally respected about Yeah, him. he goes, but I cooperated with him and I did what I could and they eventually found out that I wasn't involved. And I liked that Steve Groney was not combative. Exactly. He wasn't combative with the media. He wasn't combative with the police exactly. officers. His one concern was the safety of his children. Exactly. You know, and, you and that's all he cared about. And you don't really see that a lot because, like, usually when you're in that mode where you're you're worried about your kids, if the cops are going, "Hey, we want to question you," we think you, we right, take exactly. a polygraph. You get test, all defensive. I might. I think I might. I might. I might 
Yeah, why are you up. looking at me? You need to go find the real perpetrator. Yeah, go find yeah. the real fucking perpetrator. Get my goddamn kids back. Exactly. So, but, yeah. You um, know, but he also knew that in those cases that the family members are the prime suspects. Right. And he was willing to work with them to get cleared so they could find the real guy. But normally when you see somebody of a middle class nature. Right. And this, this is a total middle class oh, yeah. family. You don't see that kind of response. You see more of an aggression. Right, because you don't have a good um, authority. Re- you know what I mean? Well, that and, They'd that, be like you in Vancouver, Petey. Well, that, that and fear. That That's too. the other thing. You're really afraid because you can't afford the attorneys that I have. Exactly. You know, I can't afford the attorneys you have. Um, I'm glad I, I know you now. <laughs> I have to, to stay out of fucking prison, number one. But number two, I don't want to get fucked over on a contract. Yeah, that's because true. They get tricky because I've said I've said it a million times. I'm a smart motherfucker. Yeah. You know, super high IQ. Oh, dude, no contract problem. law puts me to sleep. I start reading a contract and my brain turns into like I've got Down syndrome and I'm <laughs> drooling on myself. And <laughs> Banging your head against the wall. I do. I lick the window. <laughs> my favorite flavor. It is glass and it tastes very shiny. I poop my pants. Oh, no. That is me 100% of the time whenever yeah. I try to read a contract. Well, yeah, because when I took uh, business law in college, it was just like I had to review contracts and um, – Kate court cases and stuff like that. And I'm like, I am so done with this class. Yeah. I mean, I passed it with flying colors, but it was like I had to study. I have this down to a science. All contracts go through my attorneys. And then they call me up and they go, yeah, it's a, it's a typical contract, dude. It's, you're, you're, you're good. Sign it. Sign it. Yeah. You're good. You know, and, or they go, oh, and this happens every once in a while. Oh, Scott. They're trying to fuck you a little bit. Oh, really, Ryan? What's happening? Well. Yeah, on the back end. <laughs> on the back end, they don't want to give you a percentage. <laughs> so you won't get a royalty check on that. Dude, 10% for the first year. My terms are my terms, bitch. <laughs> I was pissed that day, man. I, hate, I know. I, I was hate. like, what? And then you go, wrong person. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but um, that's why they read this shit, you know? And. I, I'm going to be honest. I don't care about the back end terms because I get paid no matter what. Right. You know, that's just that nice little bonus. Yeah. But uh, I do that because I'm an asshole. Right. And it's a, especially when I'm arguing. When I'm arguing, now it's a matter of fucking principle. Right. Well, and not just that, it's like, and then you've often talked about, you know, going to Vegas and don't worry, dude, I got attorneys for that. I've heard you say that a couple of times. So I want to take my buddy to Vegas, man. He doesn't get out and do anything. I know, and dude. he's afraid we're going to get arrested. If you take him to Vegas, I want to go too, because I would love to just see him in Vegas. I he want would him be shell-shocked. I want him to tear it up for two or three days and come dude. back totally fucked dude, up. Dude, if he had both you and I there, he would just like have a ball. He would. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because you and I are about adventure and, you know, seeking I, out the weirdest shit. I don't want him to be sober for three days or yeah. four days. Yeah. Get the f- get drunk, bitch. Yeah. Get him a lot of fun. <laughs> Maybe get him a little action. Get him a little hooker. <laughs> or four. <laughs> Take him to the bunny ranch. <laughs> Try it, man. I'm like, hey, knock yourself out, man. <laughs> You got a day, you got a day yeah. going for you. Here's some Viagra. No, but you often say, and then it's like every time uh, I'm talking to you on the phone out in public, you go, put me on speaker. I'm like, no, dude, I don't want to get arrested. You go, don't worry, I have attorneys. I'll send them down for you. Yeah, you'll be fine. 
<laughs> Not worried. It's like he, you go, I have one on retainer. Don't worry about it. Yeah, we're good. Just be out of prison. Yeah, but it's true. It's like you don't have the money to an afforded attorney. So if you're wongfully accused, you're fucked. Yeah. So you know that's that's why I'm. I mean, look at Henley and his fucking public defender. No shit, huh? But Steve did it right, man. He cooperated. Yeah. And got ruled out. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, and then it's like I, you could really see the love he had for his children, right? Yeah, and how and, he, you know, once he, you know, they found her and everything, and he found out what was going on. All it, all it was about is because he like protected her and kept her out of the media too. Yes, you know, he goes, she needs to heal and work through this, and she doesn't need to be bothered. No, exactly. So I was really happy with him and his actions. Yeah. I- that, that was so, my but yeah this too. guy was just sick all the way around i can't wait till the day the day that duncan does get the death penalty and they execute him dude he's dead he, he died is? of brain cancer oh that's right he i did. told you he had that something you blastoma. just fucking told me that before yeah, the episode and how he refused uh medical treatment and died of which is good yeah it's the best thing for him you can't let that monster in 2020 and like i said most of the time what do i do I find the good in most people. Yeah, there was no good in him. None. No, absolutely. He, none. he was worse than. I mean, I can't say worse than because you still have a hatred in your heart for her. But no, the Hamolka case. I'm going to go with that honestly. Yeah, because I think that he it's is a like, step below Hamolka. Yeah. Well, and with you, it was like you couldn't find any good in what she did at all. No, I can't. You know, and. At, with him, it's like you can't find anything positive about his life. But while she did get her sister killed and raped yeah. by by Paul, um, the torture wasn't to nine, ten, eleven year olds. That's true. She did. They um, didn't target. You know, they didn't murder families. Yeah. So I'm gonna give her. Th- that begrudgingly i was gonna say but she's the one that recruited and acquired yeah. the drugs for the other victim i mean it's just yeah the whole yeah. sister thing is still very off-putting yeah to me. but yeah no he just like i said he there was no redeeming factor with him i agree man all right we're gonna wrap this one up yep Remember, you can send us an email at brutal nation at twisted blue check out the website TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out our Patreon page. Help a brother out. <laughs> Damn it. Look for us wherever you get your blogs, including Medium and Crime Beat that's on Medium. I like that presentation a little bit better. Of giving our blog shit out. And remember, if you want to start your own podcast, we are expanding. So send your ideas to admin. Yeah, you don't have to be in this area. Yeah, you can be wherever the fuck yeah. you want to be. Um, Where the fuck you want to be? Yeah. To admin at twistedbluellc.com. This show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights reserved, and we will see you guys tomorrow. Bye. Bye.